Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. On this episode of No Really, I'm Fine, we'll be speaking to Catherine Reader. We'll be talking to Catherine in the heart of where she has been struggling with depression for the last few years at a university in Leeds. According to the World Health Organization, more than 300 million people are now living with depression globally. Catherine has been campaigning for better support for people with mental health conditions as a disability, as she feels there isn't enough guidance for people with long-term mental health conditions. If you're struggling with your own mental health conditions or in crisis, we'll be signposting to a variety of sources to help. You can also find out more about Catherine's journey at www.disabilitydepression.co.uk. We are outside Leeds University Students' Union, where I go to uni. I'm in my third year of doing a mathematics degree here. Yeah, it's quite busy, um, which I'm not a fan of. That's partly why I find uni really hard. But yeah, so there's like a couple stalls about. We're actually in quite a nice part of uni. A lot of the buildings are like really concrete and horrible. Um, but like lots of red brick. Um, I really like it. I remember coming here in Freshers' Week and seeing the bunting out, uh, wondering when they were going to take it all down. And they never did. So yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we're going inside the Students' Union. Um, I've been there a lot in the past two years. Like, you go there if you want to get help and support, and you also go there to do societies and stuff. So I do a lot of societies, and it's something that's really helped me get through uni. Um, and nights out as well, but I don't really go on them anymore. Yeah. We moved into somewhere a bit quieter now, and something we always start our guests by doing is asking them if they're really fine so yeah so uh, I am so excited I haven't been able to focus all morning um I really love this podcast and I never thought that I'd be sat here answering whether I'm really fine today and I'm really just excited to get my message and uh, my campaign about mental health and disability out there because I haven't really had much of an opportunity to do that and I'm a very small fish in this kind of world so I'm really excited to be here. There's a reason why we're doing this podcast in the middle of Leeds University because this place means a lot for you for your mental health journey so why don't you tell me a little bit about Okay, so I came to uni and I was so excited to come here. Um, Summer 2017, I'd had the best summer of my life. I'd been working at McDonald's, I'd been driving about with my friends, just having so much fun. And I came here and I was so excited to come to uni. Um, I'm from Essex, but I struggled a lot in my childhood with certain things. I was picked on at school and I didn't really deal with it at the time and coming to uni it was sort of like a fresh start I didn't know anyone I was so excited and I started off uni 
partying a bit too hard, um, making some friends with people maybe I shouldn't have made friends with. I made some great friends as well, but, you know, when you're going out every night, the people you're going out with aren't really your friends. Um, And my mental health really deteriorated in my first term of university. It was triggered by I was at a party and someone called me fat. And that was something that I'd been called at school. And that was really difficult for me because I'd come from a place where I was like, oh, I can reinvent myself. No one knows about the girl who was picked on when she was 12. I can be this whole new person. And I got here and I get called fat and it just sort of it's such a small thing but it just brought everything crashing down and from there I just sort of the feelings that I'd packed away when I was 12 and not dealt with just came out and I wasn't able to cope with them anymore I thought when I was 12 I was so strong for not addressing those feelings but they just came back to haunt me and I really struggled, I suddenly struggled to like go outside, go to lectures, maintain much of a social life and I became horrifically depressed and it all sort of went downhill from there and it's quite difficult because going to university is this big life change and you're a proper adult and I've been ill ever since I've been at uni and it's sort of like my whole adult life my whole life sort of as I know it um, being an adult has I've had a mental illness and it's really hard to imagine a life now without that you know there's no sort of going back for me because a time without that is a time when I was a child and I'm not a child anymore so it's really difficult and imagine coming to university for anyone is a big daunting prospect I mean it is it is for anyone so being depressed in this environment when you know you're you're also trying to study I guess that you try to study you've got that pressure of life study friendship and and you write about that friendship thing and about making friends because there is a massive pressure to to make friends and get it right when you first start isn't it yeah totally so something that I did to cope with being picked on at school was I put so much pressure on myself academically and I don't think I had it throughout school I had it throughout college at college I would spend all of my time doing maths. Like, you could not stop me. Whenever I had any free time, I felt uncomfortable. I tried so hard to just work on my grades constantly, and it was a pressure that carried on into university. And I think it's because when I was being picked on at school, I wasn't doing well socially, and the only thing I was good at was my academia. So I was quite clever at school, and I had that, and it was just... Oh, if I work on that, at least I have something. I have something going for me. So I sort of kept on doing that. And I got to uni and it just sort of got to breaking point where I, I, there was a point in January exams of first year where I also had quite bad post-traumatic stress at this point from something that happened in my first term of university. And I just remember calling up my parents crying my eyes out saying I can't I can't do this I can't do these exams I'm going to fail them um everything's going terribly wrong and what triggered that I think partly was post-traumatic stress and also just everything else seemed to be crashing down so I thought my grades would be crashing down too and I'm I actually did really well in those exams and the only way that I got convinced to take those exams was I got told that I would probably be given mitigating circumstances so I could take them again so I was told Catherine just treat them like a mock go in there 
and try your best but don't worry too much about it and I've had CBT in the meantime and that has hasn't helped with some things but it has helped with my work ethic so like for example in college I remember there was a teacher who said to me Catherine don't kill yourself over maths and I was sort of like what the hell was he saying and then like, I got to uni and I was like don't kill yourself over maths, Catherine. I think you saw it before I did. And then what happened was I had CBT and the therapist said, Catherine, you're not going to be on your deathbed wishing that you'd done more maths, are you? And I was like, no. And she was like, look, you've got these friends, you've got, you have got an amazing life and you need to see beyond your work and see your worth and not place so much value in it. And now I'm a lot better at... When I turn up to an exam... I, I just congratulate myself for turning up because I know that my first set of exams at university were horrific and I can just congratulate myself for even turning up now is a massive thing for me. So. When you had this sort of bad time that you ended up, you know, turning to getting therapy and that's a big step in itself. So, I mean, how did you get from sort of being sort of struggling and then getting to that therapy because sometimes that's a really really hard place for people to get to say right I need some help I actually when I was really struggling I was already on a waiting list and I sort of I thought you know what I'm gonna do anything it takes to get better so as soon as I started getting ill so I started getting ill in October and I got on a waiting list in November I was like, I really need to get this help. The biggest barrier for me in getting therapy has been NHS waiting lists. So it took me, I was on a waiting list for 11 months for the, the CBT. And I'm currently on, I've been six months and counting for a CAT. Uh, it's a different kind of therapy uh, waiting list that I'm on. And I find therapy really helpful. My, my parents, I'm very lucky, they've been able to afford to get me some private therapy, but it's incredibly expensive. And yeah, therapy is really hard. And I get that it is a big... I don't think... I think I didn't realise how much how hard it would be. I thought it'd be like, oh yeah, I just chat about, like, oh yeah, I'm okay, I'm all right. But, you know, you're getting really deep and I don't think I've been in the deep end of therapy yet even. But there wasn't exactly a happy ending with your CB therapy, is that right? No, so what happened is I'd waited 11 months for this therapy and, you know, it's my first real shot at therapy and I'd pinned all my hopes on it because I'd got ill in that time and, you know, you've been waiting 11 months and you're going, wow, it must be good if so many people are trying to get it and I'm having to wait 11 months for it. And so I started it and, you know, it helped with some things, but my depression got really bad during that time. I'm not quite sure why, but it just did. It was just one of those things. Depression is like that. And they make you fill out a sheet every week of your mood and they score it out of 27, I believe. So when I started the CBT, I was on 14 out of 27, which is okay. Uh, the more you score, the, the, the more depressed you are. Um, towards the end, I was getting 27 out of 27, which um, is not good. It's really bad. And they had to enter these scores into the system every single week. And they did. And it got to the Christmas holidays. And my therapist sort of said, if you're, we'll see how the Christmas holidays goes, but I don't think this is working. They said, um, these scores, we have to enter into the system and the government see them. And if the government aren't happy with our progress then we don't get funding so the Christmas holidays happened and I came back and I said over the Christmas holidays I've, I've you know planned 
to end my life um, and I luckily didn't and it was in that same conversation that the therapist went right we can't we can't see you anymore so bear in mind I was 19 at the time and I hadn't you know it's quite a big step to become accustomed to the fact that oh maybe you're going to be depressed for more than just a year maybe this is going to be a long-term thing or uh, they could refer me through to secondary services so it's like called psychology but they reckoned that I wouldn't have a very good chance of getting through especially because I was asked what would you want to get out of it and I said I don't know my life is falling apart as I know it everything is terrible everything's falling apart my friendships my academic life everything is falling apart I can't tell you what I want to get out of therapy because I just want to be okay and they said you probably won't get referred through then so I was left with nothing I was crying my eyes out absolutely distraught and it was they said oh, I think you should go to the doctors and go back on medication I'd been on medication in my first year of university so at this point I was in my second year and I was on a medication that gave me really bad insomnia it made me like a, a walking zombie I, I couldn't think I couldn't talk I could barely do anything and I didn't want to go back on medication I'm very lucky that when I did um, I went on one that agreed with me a lot more but a lot of people who experience some medication, and mine as well, is that it makes you a lot worse before you get better. So I was left in a point where the one thing I thought could make me better, therapy, didn't work. And I was having to start medication, which made me even more suicidal than I already was. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't really eat. I couldn't speak. I was just an absolute mess for about two weeks. Um, and I was just left with nothing I had no hope whatsoever um, and it was a really really dark time in my life I remember going to the doctors and they'd go right here's your medication come back next week and I'd go how am I going to get through the week um, it was really really challenging and I at the same time was trying to access more support I was lying to my parents and go yeah yeah I'm still I'm still doing CBT and it's it's great it's really helping which I shouldn't have done looking back on it but it's very easy to say that now and at the same time I was also having very intrusive thoughts of killing myself on a day-to-day -day basis and it was really difficult I lost friends during that time um I lost out on lots of different experiences during that time and yeah it was only really I had a doctor who well I had I went to a doctor's appointment and I said because it's quite complicated so I went to the doctors and I went oh could I can I please get a formal diagnosis for a personality disorder and uh, they went oh there's nowhere in Leeds that does that and I'm like Leeds is a big city I highly doubt it so I did a little little bit of like sleuthing on the internet uh, and I called up a local hospital and they said yeah yeah we, we do diagnose personality disorders so I went back to the doctors and they said there are places that do diagnose it but it's so unlikely that you'll get referred and I said I don't care this is the only chance I have of getting better I'm on medication and I'm okay but I'm really not in a great place still there's no other avenues of therapy I can access anywhere else it's literally this or nothing I do not care and like for them to tell me that it's unlikely that I'll get referred when I've just spent four months with very intrusive thoughts of killing myself I was just shocked I was like how how difficult is it to get referred to this um and I was very lucky my my referral was accepted and I'm now on a waiting list that is 
six months and counting for CAT therapy, but it's really, it's not good. Like my doctor was really surprised that I got accepted, my referral got accepted, which is terrible because you just think the amount of people who are missing out on this support who vitally need it, it's not just me. I know other people who are in the exact same position as me. And it's like how many people are being left with absolutely nothing is really shocking. I think there needs to be a lot more in this country to help people with long-term mental illnesses. It seems to be like point of access is good. It's overwhelmed, but it's good. So there's IAPT, which is improving access to psychological therapies, which is how I got the CBT. And that helped me. But there needs to be something beyond that. What if that doesn't work? I've read that recovery rates are only around 50% for that. There needs to be something beyond that. Otherwise, there's literally nothing. I know people talk about us being in a snowflake society. But, you know, beyond the first few starters of a conversation your first access to therapy there's not really anything beyond that and you're left with absolutely nothing so. if you've been affected by anything you've heard in today's episode you can get the proper advice you need we aren't experts but the samaritans provide free confidential support for people experiencing feelings of distress or despair you can phone them 24 hours a day on 116 one, two, three, or visiting the samaritans.org.uk. The Diana Award also provides a crisis messenger service which gives young people 24-hour crisis support across the UK. If you are a young person in crisis, you can text DA for free to 85258. That's DA to 85258. So we've moved outside and um, we're looking at the Roger Stevens building, which is a big... We're not sure what architecture it is, but it looks very brutal, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and right in front of it is just this nice little pond and it's like it's a nice, quiet space at the university, which is quite nice. And the reason I want to come out here is actually talk about the university a little bit and, you know, the support that you probably either did or didn't get while you were here. Yeah, so I... I'm quite grateful for the support that I have had. I managed to get four counselling sessions and the really good thing about these counselling sessions is they're available to anyone. Unfortunately, they can be quite oversubscribed. I had to wait a while, but they are really good. I know a lot of a lot of people I know have made use of them. Like, honestly, it, for any kind of issue, I've had people who have been incredibly low. I, I know people who have just struggled a little bit with some things in their life and want to fix things and it is something that is really valuable um in terms of accessing more long-term support it has been difficult and I've been unable to because I don't have two medical diagnoses so that is something that I believe needs more funding but in terms of the short-term support it's really good I also get so I get disabled students allowance and part of that I get a study mentor I haven't used them this year but I did last year and it's really good to have someone to touch base with every single week they ask you like how are you getting on with your coursework um how are you getting on with deadlines is there anything that you need help with and yeah I found that really useful especially when I was incredibly down um just to get through the week to have someone who I could have an hour-long conversation with about how my week has been was really useful it's interesting you talking about disability support and this is something which for you is really, really key because 
not everyone knows that actually you can get support from government and things like that, other sources as well for disability, for mental health. Yeah, so I'm currently working with the charity Scope. Uh, they are a massive disability charity and I'm on their Scope for Change scheme. I'm really lucky that Scope have trained 13 young disabled activists to campaign about different things to do with disability that are really important to them and even when I was applying for it I was like am I gonna get it you know I, I'm, I'm, are the other people on it gonna be angry at me and think I'm taking up the space of someone who is genuinely disabled you know it's not it was something that was very difficult for me to identify with at first the only way I found out that mental illnesses were disabilities is through the university telling me you should apply for disabled students allowance and from that I was able to then look into it a lot more but what I found is there really wasn't any resources out there that were just going do you know what it's okay to identify as disabled and have a mental illness I mean having a mental illness you have a most people have quite a low self-esteem as it is and you can feel quite isolated within that and especially when you are trying to identify as disabled as well when no one else really seems to be talking about this issue. I mean, so within Scope for Change we went on a weekend away and, you know, I was worried, oh my word, are people going to think that I shouldn't be here? Um, are they going to accept that I am disabled? And there was a group of us, some of us had physical disabilities, some of us didn't, some of us had hidden disabilities, some of us didn't. And we all actually found in that weekend that we all bonded so well. We all had the exact same issues, problems, and um, we all just came together and it was just such an amazing environment where we could just talk freely about things. I mean, I, so I have anxiety and depression and I can say, you know, I have an illness that on some days makes it really hard to do basic things like get out of bed, uh, make myself food, go and talk to people. And I've had it for over two years. And, you know, if if I hadn't said, oh, it's a mental illness, I think anyone would easily say that is a disability. But because I think in this society, there currently seems to be a thing of mental illnesses seem to be treated. It's great that there is awareness is being raised and stuff, but it seems to be people seem to see mental illness as much more of a short term problem. And especially when I was trying to grapple with the fact that my mental illness kept going wasn't going away anytime soon it was really hard it felt like I was being left behind by society society was full of people who could just be mentally ill and then get over it and be absolutely fine and there was me who wasn't so I have launched my campaign disability depression to raise awareness of the fact that we do exist not everyone has a mental illness and it goes away if you do have a mental illness and it goes away that's great and you know, I'm not robbing anyone for that. I'm not saying that my experiences are more harrowing than theirs or anything like that. I'm just saying that there needs to be some acknowledgement that people who have long-term mental illnesses do exist and we are, under law, entitled to reasonable adjustments. Um, there's the Equality Act that means that we can't be discriminated against. And... A for me, acceptance was a really hard thing. Um, so I used to get so beat up at myself. Why aren't I getting better? Why aren't I getting better? And just to accept that I was disabled and that's okay. And it's okay that I can't do things on certain days was a massive step forward 
for me. I suppose this feeds into the whole thing about trying uh, mental health is this has so many stigmas attached to us and this is another one that needs to be broken down and that's exactly what you're trying to do, I guess. Yeah, so through my campaign I have tried to raise awareness of the current state of affairs for people with long-term mental illnesses. I know when I was growing up I thought, oh, if you have long term you know if you have a mental illness that maybe is a depression uh, depression uh, sorry <laughs> if you have a mental illness that is a disability you can't leave your bedroom um you are stuck in a dark room for the rest of your life and it was such a massive misconception i'm so glad that i've broken it down now unfortunately it's through my own personal experience of having a mental illness as a disability but through this campaign i've really been able to show people that you can have a long-term mental illness and still have a life be successful and i suppose all of these things that you're saying are also there's a natural anxiety for some people that when they're leaving university and things like that there is issues around employability but if you if you have a, a mental health condition on top of that and you're trying to think, right, I need to find a job, things like that, but your mental health condition is also getting in the way. There is support for that, isn't there? Yeah, so for me, it's, yeah, go, leaving university is a massive anxiety in itself. And then the fact that there is very clear established mental health support at university is great. And within the university, the mental health services and the disability services are quite well coordinated. Um, but w when you leave university, there is support. The thing is, I think so many people struggle to access it because this support is not labelled as mental health support. You know, if you Google maybe mental health support in employment, there's no specific mental health support scheme. It is all under the label of disability and reaching out, realising that that support is for you is a massive step. I know even when I was applying for disabled students allowance at university, I felt so terrible doing it. I'd be telling my friends oh, I'm just stealing someone else's money, aren't I? And they'd be going, no, no, like, you need to look at yourself. You need to look and see that actually every day you are struggling to get through each day. You deserve this support. And I'd be going, no, I'm stealing it from someone else. Um, and, yeah, so I'm graduating in June. And a figure that really, really haunts me is that 75% of people with a long-term severe mental illness are unemployed. It, I find it really disgusting, to be honest with you. It's... That figure is even worse than the employment rates of people with physical disabilities. Something really needs to change. People need to be doing things about it. Knowing that it's even an issue needs to happen. We've now come back to your home in Leeds, which is literally a two-second walk from the university. And it gives us just a bit of flavour of sort of how your day goes normally it's you're never too far removed from the university which is quite nice but when this all comes to an end your your university journey in a few months time what do you think's next for you in in your journey well i'd really love to work in a sector that makes a big difference so not for profit or charity um at my time at university I got involved heavily with volunteering because I was having such a terrible time. <laughs> I thought that maybe one thing I could do is help other people, make other people happy. Um, so I started doing that by volunteering with homeless people and I'm now president of a committee at university. And I 
really that is something for me that helps keep me going also with my campaign I really hope to turn the table sort of thing with mental illnesses and disabilities I want them to be valued the same way as physical disabilities and I want people to be more aware of the issues that are faced I want people to be aware of how difficult it is to even identify as disabled let alone get that support and just create a society where people are more accepting of disabilities in whatever form they are they value the struggles that we face and not see them as a sign of weakness um, and accept them and become more accommodating of them and what about you know your personal mental health journey you know you've been you've been on a waiting list for you know a few months now and that's obviously can be a sort of a source of of anxiety and stress for you so you know what about you know where do you see your personal mental health journey going um that is an incredibly difficult question um in the so I've been without therapy since January of this year and that was when I was probably at one of my lowest points and like you know I lost friendships through that and stuff and I've developed you know massive trust issues so I've got a lot to work through and there's lots of aspects of daily life where something will just stop me in my tracks and I'll go, do you know what, I really need therapy for this and it's not happening yet. And I think when it does happen, it will be very difficult. It will be very draining. I've heard CAT therapy can be very intense. It's 20 weeks long. Um, and yeah, but in terms of I am... I've spent, you know, university is a time where you've got like lots of trial and error and I've really learned how to look after my mental health. I, I go running, um, I volunteer work and self-care I'm not the best at, but I'm trying and I've surrounded myself with some amazing supportive people. Um, so it's just a case of trying to stay, you know, on the right track not letting things hold me back and not getting into a dark place again. I know from my experience of the NHS, being in crisis, there is not really much support for you and it's something that I really fear going back into. Um, So I don't really want to be back in that place again because I think it would be incredibly hard for me to get out of it this time. So I'm just trying to stay stable and, yeah...